Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship. You know, my, my wife heard it the other day. She listened to our, uh, our intro and she's like, Bobby, what are you doing? It's like, you sound like you're at a blazer announcer. And it's like, honey, that would be like my second all-time favorite job. So yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm channeling my inner announcer when I say, Hope Fellowship, Fellowship, Fellowship of Hillsborough, Oregon. I love it, man. I, I think that's how, <laughs> it's the energy we need. <laughs> It's good. Hey, it's man. Good. So, so uh, what is our topic today? Um, well, you know, we're we're going to talk about suffering. Woohoo! Because that that sounds like fun. That's that's what everyone topic, signed up to it? listen to. Yeah, that's why people come to church to suffer. <laughs> is that what you're preaching? <laughs> I guess <laughs> some of, some in my fellowship might agree with that statement. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but but that is part of why we come to church. Yeah. Uh, just to be 100% honest, uh, uh, we are two, we are a people who are called to suffer for the gospel's sake. And and our aim today is to talk about that, and the, the title is Prepared for Suffering, yeah. which you bolded, by the way. Well, you know, I mean, if you're going to come up with these titles, i got to bold them. You know, that's, <laughs> I'm all about so you like, can't. dude, you should see what I do every week <laughs> when I work through my sermons and I write them out. My, I, I'm a, I'm a formatter, like my that's indentations great, and everything. Yeah. I, you I indent? Just, oh yeah. You know, that's not um, I indent, common practice I italicize, anymore. I italicize fine. Yeah. I do a lot of stuff. And then what I do, I, I have this PDF app, so I'll take my sermon and I'll, I'll highlight it. And then like all my questions, I'll underline in red. My main points are in a certain color. My verses are in a certain color. Um, yeah. Wow. Basically, I just like I'm, playing with uh, colors a lot. So I think. Yeah. <laughs> Back to our topic is prepared for suffering, and you know, you know, as, as you and I were talking, you know, before we hit record, which we had to do like twice um, to make sure we sync up. Wow! Like, uh, why don't you just say I have problems hitting the button? <laughs> Nick has problems hitting the button, uh, but but we got there. Okay, so why do we talk about suffering? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us Jesus tells us that we're going to suffer. Yeah. And, and so it, it is part of how we as pastors or just brothers and sisters, brothers in Christ. Um, I'm a brother. I've identified um, myself that, uh, that, <laughs> that we are going to suffer. I mean, he's, he says this in John 15, 18 he said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, the, the world hates you. Yeah. Remember that the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And so, I mean, they persecuted Jesus. I mean, they killed him. They killed the son of God, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and even his own people persecuted him. And so this is a normative part of the Christian life that we need to be prepared for because when, when the heat gets turned up, um, what's going to be left? Yeah. Uh, you know, is, is what we built, is it made of straw and hay and wood? Is it going to be burned up or, or is there foundation to it? You know, um, which is another parable Jesus gave. 
Um, so that's that's why we were heading into this topic. Um, and it's something that, that as, as Christians, we do really do need to be equipped for. Um, I mean, Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. In 2 Corinthians 1, he said uh, to the church, uh, he said, uh, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, in verse before, he says, we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Yeah. Suffering is a reality. We see it all throughout Scripture. In fact, I'm actually, last week I preached St. Kings 18. This week I'm preaching on St. Kings 19. It's when Assyria comes uh, to Hezekiah and is threatening to to destroy Jerusalem and take him into captivity. And in fact, in 2 Kings 19, Hezekiah will say that they're in so much distress that the mothers cannot even have, do not even have the strength to give birth to their children. And now whether that's proverbial or not, we get the point. The point is, man, there is an agony that is there. And we see that all throughout God's word, where as believers, we will go through trials. And, and that's the same today. In fact, we can look at all throughout church history. We see the church, they go through fire. In fact, sometimes we could almost even say it seems that because of our faith, we endure more trials. Um, and so we we want to simply talk about it, not because we're experts in suffering, not because we have gone through immense amount of suffering, but because God's word speaks on it and it is sufficient in and of itself. So we just want to speak about the word of God, what it says about suffering, and how do we position ourselves by faith, uh, by the grace of God, so that we would stand firm in trials. And so, um, yeah, where do we want to? Where do we want to kick off here? Well, I, you know, just to finish that point that you were you were going into, as, as far as uh, what one of the one of the things suffering accomplishes is purification. Yeah, is purification of the church. I mean, it, it it that's when you see who is a sheep and who is a goat, as well. Um, because the people of God persevere. Yeah. Uh, the people of God, um, are purified and it doesn't mean we always, um, act appropriately in, uh, you know, in every, uh, test, but those tests of affliction go to expose our heart and either we, we run to Jesus to, to be cleansed, to be purified, um, and for strength and for grace to stand firm, uh, or we run away yeah, and shame or guilt or, or, or we disavow him. Right. Um, he's just talking to a, a gentleman, a friend of mine today who, who is bemoaning the fact that some of his close friends whom he thought were believers, uh, he overheard them quote unquote, sharing the gospel, talking about the Christian faith, which essentially was no gospel at all. Yeah. You know, as, as he is explaining this to me, I'm like, oh, no, they've disavowed Jesus because their understanding is that, well, as long as you're a good person, uh, you, you know, it could be Jesus or Buddha or whomever you want. Um, there's no real authority to to Jesus and his word. Uh, and, and why are they there? Well, because you see the pressure from the outside world, in my mind, to to abandon the... Um, the distinctives of Christianity, which is that we are a people under Christ. He is our King and the Bible is our authority. So back to purification, um, back to suffering. What does suffering do? Well, it purifies. And I think it also, it, it points out who, who belongs to Christ, 
um, because the saints will persevere. Uh, yeah. Well, even going to, you know, I've been, I'm preparing for a, a whole series in the book of Hebrews starting, and that whole book is about the church persevering, and, and they're struggling with that. Chapter 2, it says that they're beginning to drift away. Chapter mm-hmm. 3 is encouraging them to, to press on. Um, and chapter uh, chapter 11, he's literally just pointing people to Old Testament saints who have persevered in their faith. And chapter 12, yep. then he says, let us run like Jesus. And then in, in chapter, later in chapter 12, he says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises yes. every son whom he receives. So you're right. Yeah. Um, the Father disciplines for the purpose of, of revealing our faith and making, making us as Christians more into the image of his son Jesus. Yes. In fact, I think it was Tim Keller, but I'm sure it's probably someone even before him. And what we do is we learn as we go through the Bible that, that God cares more about our holiness, our sanctification, our becoming more like Jesus, preparing us for the day that he will present us to yeah. his son as a, as a bride yeah. to the groom. He cares more about that than our temporal comforts in this world. And that's, and that's something that I think it's clear in the Bible. I really do. But I believe so often Christians fail to see it for one uh, many of them do not read their Bibles. Two, we want to almost ignore those passages. Three, we don't know how to read our Bible. So when we come to those, we gloss over them, or we somehow just think that suffering doesn't apply to us. Um, and four, Christians just don't think a lot of times. And that's, I, I really do. I mean, that's why, what was it? Eight years ago, John Piper put out a book called Think. Um, yeah. And the whole idea, because so much of the world will say, look, Christians don't think. So often Christians speak and talk about Christianity yeah. as if we don't think. Um, but if we actually think about God's word, if we think about what it says, yeah. we truly see that suffering. I mean, we, we've talked about its, its sanctification, but it's, it's really a pattern after the gospel. I yeah. mean, all throughout the gospel, all throughout the Bible, 66 books, we see this um, salvation through judgment. We see that this, there's these trials. In fact, the cross reveals that. Like, how is it that we have faith? How is it that we have hope? How is it we have forgiveness of sins, adopting the family of God? How is it we have eternal life? It's all through the suffering of Jesus Christ. The suffering of Jesus accomplishes the purposes of God for the advancement of the gospel, for the saving of the bride. And now... God not only uses suffering as a means of our sanctification, but of advancing the gospel in our lives as well. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting. We see our mission as the church to go out and preach the gospel, right? Go out, therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you, baptizing them in my name. I'm getting it out of order, but I, you know, I know the Great Commission. Uh, Ephesians but, but do 5. You? I do. I do. <laughs> Would you like me to try it again? Nope. 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 I really <laughs> go, don't. therefore. Okay. Uh, well, Ephesians 5. Did you not say it because you couldn't actually do it? No, I, my like point, I was trying to get to Ephesians. No, I was just, I was just pointing it out. I was trying to get to Ephesians 5. So I, I, I wasn't intending to recite the Great Commission. I was intending to get to Ephesians 5. We know our mission as a church because it's stated clearly yeah. there in Matthew 28. Jesus, though, also has a mission, right? To save and to sanctify his bride. And you, you see that in Ephesians 5. You see that as, here, I'll read it for you real quick. Okay, because I don't have this one memorized, um, but but it, but it's in your, Paul's. Your, your church doesn't require you to have the Bible memorized. 
It's in Paul's uh, address to the, to the husbands. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then he, there's a purpose statement behind that. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So, so, so Jesus' purpose for us, like his mission for his church is that we be sanctified, yeah. is that we be purified. And, and one of the ways that happens is through suffering. Yeah. And, and I think it's fair to say it. Like, okay, we're, we're pointing out that suffering is used by God in great ways, that Jesus yeah. suffered. Um, it's the means, it's the primary means in which God is glorified through the gospel. Um, we suffer uh, as a means of becoming like Christ, advancing the gospel. But that, but that does not mean we look forward to suffering. It's not that we're, we're on the hunt for suffering. We're not looking for people necessarily to persecute us. But what we understand is that as we live the Christian life, we are now citizens of a different kingdom yeah. with a different king, and, and the world will press against us. Now, in America, we haven't seen as much persecution against the church. I, I think we could probably argue that that time will be changing, whatever that looks like as we go forward. But even just in the way we deal with the pain, with, uh, with the loss, with, with struggling through finances, through uh, disease, um, through the loss of a loved one, yeah. through those very means as well, those pains and those trials that we're not immune from, those are all the means also in which, which we're becoming like Christ. And none of us long for those, but yet we can all see the very good in them. Well, and, and here's the thing is the Bible does say that, uh, I think of Acts 5, right? Uh, when they left the council, the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer yeah. dishonor for the name. Like there, like when we suffer for Christ, there there is a joy because we are participating, as Paul said, yeah. right? In in his afflictions, in his suffering, and, and it is part of our... Um, it's part of uh, it's part of our relationship with Christ. I'm I'm trying to find the right words. Um, well, it develops intimacy with Christ too. It just it 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 sh- it draws us to rely on Him, and it reveals where who our treasure is. Yeah. So do do I? Uh, it, unless the Lord calls me to, I, I I don't see myself going to a Muslim nation and standing openly in a corner, um, and professing uh, uh, Christ in order to get shot. <laughs> now, would he call me there to go share the gospel? Absolutely. Would I go? Absolutely. But am I going to go try to be killed for the sake of the gospel? I think that's might have been your point. Right. right. None of it, us do that. It's, I mean, I'm, Paul, Paul wasn't looking for people to stone him. It just happened. <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. It, it, it's, not, it's not as if we're, we're not going to avoid going and sharing the gospel. I guess that, let, let me be clear on that. Uh, so even if that is in a, in a market, uh, in an overtly Muslim nation, if that is what God calls us to, uh, but suffering is something that happens because we're living out the gospel faithfully, wherever we are. Yeah. Um, so, but that leads us to our next point, which is like, what's another result of the gospel, uh, suffering? It's the spread of the gospel. Yeah. Um, 
And there are stories after stories throughout history, throughout the gospel, throughout the Bible that we see that. Yeah. Um, when I was in when I was in youth group growing up, we did this play called At Any Cost, and it was based off of the Jim Elliott, Nate Saint story, where back in the, I think it was late 1960s, that they went, uh, they went down to South America to the Aka Indians, which was a, which was a mm-hmm. savage group at that time. And they, they did an amazing job establishing a relationship with them on, on beginning to share the gospel with them. And then one day, the Indians came out and they killed yeah. them. And, yeah. you know, it looks... It looks like a failure, and you're sitting there going, man, what a waste. What a waste of life. What a waste. Yeah. They could have gone somewhere else. They could have been used in such powerful ways. But then the wives of these men pick up the mantle, and they yeah. go down to South America where they go to these Indians, the very men who killed their husbands, and they shared the gospel with them, and the result is the entire tribe comes to faith yeah. in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And it's through that suffering. And that's yeah. something... And it's only by the power of the gospel. Yeah. I mean, it's just an amazing way. And there's, there's countless stories. In fact, we support a missionary over in India. He's a pastor there. And uh, he was telling us of a story of one of the pastors that was killed for sharing his faith. And the son then picks up the mantle, and he goes to the very tribes, the very villages that his father mm-hmm. was going to, mm-hmm. and he preaches those gospels just like his fathers did. And people are now coming to faith. That's awesome. And, and we just see, I mean, it, I think that's a reminder that the way the gospel advances, it's not by your skills. It's not by my skills. Yeah, yeah. It's not by my strength. It's not by my articulation. It's not because of our degrees. It's not because of anything of us. It's by the grace of God. And God yeah. can even use our death as a means of advancing his gospel. Well, and that's what Tertullian said in, in uh, his writing, Apologetic, Apologeticus, if you're going to. Or apologeticum, if it's Latin. Apologeticus, I think, if it's Greek. Uh, but the famous quote that uh, that he has, or that's one of the famous quotes that's, that's attributed to him, is the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And just so we're clear, because uh, there's been some discussion about, well, he didn't exactly say that. No, he didn't. It's That's like a paraphrase. Um, what he, more clearly, what he said is, we multiply when you reap us. The blood of the Christians is the seed. And he's speaking to the Roman government yeah. in particular. So, and, and just to go back to, you know, the comment on, on suffering, um, it, what, I, what I was referring to is I'm not going out looking to be persecuted. That's not the, that's not my pursuit. I don't think, Christian, I don't think you have to go look for persecution. Uh, you just go where God has put you, led you, and called you to share the gospel. Persecution will come. That's why we're talking about it. Um, well, and I, and so, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, you know, I, I think just one thing to remember there is when we go and we believe we're called on mission or we share the gospel with our neighbors or at work and we get rejected for it or somebody makes fun of us or you know, whatever the thing is, that's okay. Yeah. Like, like, we don't need to think that we failed. Now, you might have failed. You might have just been a jerk to someone, too. You know, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's definitely those cases. But what we see is that a lot of times the world does just rage back. And yeah. sometimes before people will believe in the gospel, they press pretty hard on the gospel. So I think it's a good reminder for us to keep 
the truth that as Christians, we are rejected. As Christians, we will be persecuted. So when we share the gospel, if it's not received with open arms, which very often it's not, that's not the fact that we failed. That's not that we didn't do a good job. That's not that mm, maybe we're just not gifted in it. That's often the response. And so what I think that does, yeah. again, it's all about thinking rightly about the word of God. That prepares us when we know that to not immediately think that we failed and abandoned the mission, but it, it urges us to continue to press on and pray that the spirit yeah. would work. It, it requires us to even be more dependent upon God's grace. Well, I think that we should understand that is the expected response. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the, the darkness did not comprehend the light. You know, John 1, right? Uh, Jesus came as, as light and the darkness could not comprehend it. Right. Uh, they don't understand it. And so, so the gospel that we preach, unless the Holy Spirit uh, goes before you, Unless the Holy Spirit does the work of removing the blinders, 2 Corinthians 4, unless the Holy Spirit, unless God through you sh- shines his glory and his spirit into their heart, they, they're not going to comprehend the gospel. Yeah. So really, when we go out and witness or we go out and show the gospel, the expectation should be they, they likely won't understand. But yeah. our prayer is that the Holy Spirit is that God would do a work in them that you and I can't do. Because it's, it's really not about our eloquence or even our ability uh, uh, to share the gospel well. It's about God's work through his spirit um, in, and, in and through their hearts. And he has men and women from every tribe, tongue, language, uh, and nation. And so we know that there are people who will respond. Um, yeah. but, but we should also should really should be, we should approach evangelism knowing that we will be rejected. Yes. That, that will be the norm. Um, so that makes, that brings us to another question. So if we're in a dark place, like we are, um, which by the way, it rained last night here in Oregon. Praise God, uh, man. Praise God, man. I, just with all the smoke and the, uh, the air quality. And, and that's, this is one of the first times I've, I've been happy that it's rained in September, uh, in the state of Oregon. Uh, but do we run? I mean, you and I, you're in Washington, I'm in Oregon, we're in a very, um, how do I say, not open place to especially white male Christians, which is you and I, um, uh, or, or, or even the gospel. Um, it, it is not a very welcoming place to the gospel um, or, or to our way of life. And it's actually, it feels like it's becoming increasingly hostile towards it. Uh and, and some of it, you know, has political underpinnings to it. So here's the question. Um, when we find ourselves in these situations, do we run? Do we stay? What does that look like? Isn't there a song like, do we, do we? Should I stay or yeah, should I go it. now? That's it. That's yeah, it. That's not a, that's not a Jesus song. No, but you know, it works. <laughs> you know, I think, well, I mean, there's, there's, Yeah. There's, I'm rambling now. There's, there's ways that we could answer that. But one of the things that just comes to mind as you mention that is, I think it's Acts 16. Um, you can fact check me, but it's, it's somewhere right in there. You know, Paul goes to Lystra and he gets stoned. And what, what's amazing about what happens next, he gets stoned for the sake of the gospel. He then gets up. Everyone thinks he's dead, but he gets up. And where does he go after that moment? He doesn't go to Derby. He doesn't go to the next place on the, on, the, on the route. He goes back into the city. 
And so, again, if we understand that, that suffering is a reality and that as Christians, being rejected by this world is, yeah. is the natural response of the world to the fact that we are now citizens of God's kingdom, then our decision... We should not think that just because we're rejected, just because we're in a hostile place, that we should immediately run. I think there are good reasons for for Christians who want to move out of the Northwest. Um, but I think that we always need to use our, our... We need to think clearly about what Scripture says. And I think we need to involve community within that. Having people yeah. pray with us to check our own desires. Are we running out of fear? Like, is that if our motive is fear, then I would say, well, it's sin then to move. Yeah. But what, yeah. what is the motive? What is the purpose? Um, and I think that's something to wrestle with. And there might be a variety of reasons that would lead people to actually move out of the Northwest or, or away from an area of greater hostility. But I think we need to check those motives because we, we, are, we are going to be placed in areas where we will not be popular. And that is exactly where God has placed us. Well, and here's the thing is there's really nowhere you can go where that's not the case. I mean, you might fit in a little bit more politically. Um, but for a while. For, for a while. Until, but you, you, until, even, well, even if Even if it doesn't change, though, even, it does, even if it doesn't change, it doesn't mean, I mean, Jesus is um, offensive. He's offensive to the Pharisee. He's offensive to the Sadducee. He's offensive to the the, the conservative. He's offensive to the liberal. Um, so so regardless of where you go politically, here's what I would say: is God has sovereignly placed you exactly where you belong, and unless He's unless you're running to something, unless He's calling you um, to something, uh, you're probably running away, uh, and. Here's here's what I mean by that. I, I had a a pastor, and I, and I was in a kind of a tough situation at church. Man, it it wasn't it was not fun. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And and so Tiff and I, you know, really thought should should we resign and go somewhere else? Like where would we go? I have no clue where we go. We have nowhere to go right now. Um, and his response to me was, Bobby. Don't run away from something. If you're going to run, run to something. If you have nothing, nothing to run to, then God has put you there. Um, and and here's here's why I I would I would encourage Christians in the Northwest to stay where you're at, um, and and ride this out, uh, because if we leave, who's going to be the light? All right. I mean, we're, we're called to be a light in a dark place. If we leave, who's going to be the light? Um, you know, I hear a lot of people talking, Idaho and Texas look really good right now. And <laughs> for what reason? So you can be more comfortable. Texas does not look good. I, you know what? Idaho I, I, looks good. I don't, <laughs> um, I don't think I want to fry my eggs on the street top Dude, either. Yeah, no doubt, which man. You can do in Texas. Once you live in the Northwest, the weather's amazing. It's so yeah. I I love it here for many reasons. Let me. Um, can I jump on something there that you're you're saying? Yeah, go for it. So I, I think this is good that you're hitting on, like this idea of running, because it it exposes a lie that that many people within the church believe that God wants you to be happy where you're at, in the sense of. 
You're going to love your job. You're going to love your place. You're going to just love where you're at. And and I don't know that that's always the case. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Nowhere does it. Now, we are to <laughs> rejoice in all things. But, but what we see in Philippians, when Paul talks about this rejoicing, he talks about he's learned to be content with things and without things. He knows what it is to suffer and still rejoice in God. He is in prison in the book of Philippians, rejoicing that the gospel advanced. I guarantee you, if Paul had a choice, hey, do you want to be in prison or do you want to be somewhere else where it's easier and you can maybe even be more effective in preaching the gospel? He, he would have picked somewhere else. But you know what? He's content in prison because he sees the advancement. He sees just what God is doing. And I would say... If you're wrestling with running from where you're at, then that is a prayer. Uh, then you need to be praying for a prayer of contentment right there. But also would say that it is the reminder that this world is not our yeah. home. Like if, right. if we think that we should be happy right now, like in the sense of, man, I'm going to love my place. I'm going to love my house. I'm going to love my job. And I'm going to be popular. And if I don't, then obviously that means I'm not in God's will. No. All of that <laughs> reminds us. That, man, we have a greater home and yeah. a greater kingdom that's going to last forever. And that is where our ultimate joy is. Right here is where God is using us and suffering and all this for the advancement of the gospel and for like what we already said, for our sanctification, for becoming more like Christ. So if you're somewhere and you're listening to this and you're, you're hating where you're at, I get that. Many people are there. Pray for contentment. Pray for those around you. Pray that you will, will yeah. be able to be there. And if God does want you to move, pray that he makes that, that makes that known. But until that day, pray for contentment. Otherwise, yeah. you're, you're, you're going to try to be in two places at once, which you can't do at all, and you're going to be ineffective. Yeah. Well, it, it just Philippians for the whole context, you know, <laughs> uh, so we, we quote this out of context so often. What? Copy right? cut verse. Uh, uh, here we go. Uh, but when you talk about being content in all things, you got to keep reading. Right? Uh, for I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. I know, um, I know how to be brought low and abound. In every, any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing with plenty and with hunger, with abundance and need. Right? So it, the, the whole context of Philippians, he's talking about his persecution. Yeah. Right? And, and then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he goes on, and yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. So the whole context is Paul's trouble. That's the context. Wait, it's not, I can so run a four and a half minute mile by the strength of Christ. By- well, it, no, it's, it's not that. And, and here's the thing, is being content in uncomfortable persecution and trouble and hardship and um, hunger and indeed. Yeah. That's 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 the contentment and 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 I I'm looking forward. I'm a, I'm a little jealous of you right now because I love the book of Hebrews and we're still kind of plugging through John. I love John too. You know I'm not, I'll let you come uh, preach a couple sermons up here. Oh man, I'd love to. Uh, but you know Hebrews eleven, right? It, oh. the, the Hall of Faith uh, gives all these examples and and of these heroes of our faith. But at the end of it, they talk about these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Church, we are strangers and exiles on the earth. So what does that mean? That means we're not going to have our utopia yet. 
Heaven, heaven is awaiting the king to return. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are speaking, seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And it's not Portland. And it's not Hillsborough. It's not Lacey. It's not Seattle. It's not, it, it, it's not a, an, an earthly city with an earthly king and an earthly government. It is, it is a heavenly city with a heavenly king um, that will be set on the earth. Uh, so let, 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 me, let me transition maybe. So if we, we know that we're called to suffer and we know that we're not just to run when things come, um, how do we stand firm? Like how do we prepare ourselves? Yeah. How do we prepare ourselves to stand firm in the midst of trials? Yeah. You know, I, I put, uh, I mean, one of the things is just know the word. Yeah. And, and I don't mean just, you know, coffee cup verses. Uh, but know the word, know the context of it, know the truth of God's word. Um, I mean, we see all throughout God's word who he is and how he's faithful to provide for his people and how he promises to defend his people on how he promises to protect his people. And protection doesn't always mean sustaining our life, but it means that our salvation yeah. is secure and that even it's like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, right? King Neb says, hey, look, battle my idol, or I'll throw you in the fiery furnace. And they're like, look, um, our God can protect us. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. They're confident in the faithfulness, in the power of their God. In fact, this is, um, here's a sneak peek in the sermon, 2 Kings 19. All right? Uh, so don't tell anyone for Sunday. But, so this is what I see, what God's word does. This is what I see. Having faith is about trusting more in the reality of, of who God is than in the visible reality of this world. So, so to say another mm-hmm. way, faith is about trusting in the invisible or the spiritual reality of God, his promises more than the visible reality yeah. of this world. And I'm seeing that everywhere throughout yeah. the Bible. Like you go to, you go to David and Goliath. Why is all Israel scared of Goliath? Cause the visible reality is he's bigger than them. He's stronger than there. They have no hope. Well, why is it little puny David has no problem because he knows who his God is. Yes. He sees the invisible reality and that is far greater than the visible reality. And that's not just some stupid positive thinking stuff. We got 66 mm-hmm. books testifying of the faithfulness of our God. And so, so I say that, man, the more we know the word, then when we, when we hit those trials, when, when suffering comes, when all of a sudden we get that, hey, did you know you have cancer? Hey, your daughter is sick. Hey, she's not going to make it. Hey, you know, these things are happening. Well, it's going to hurt and we're going to wrestle with things, but we're going to realize we have an anchor that's holding us. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so I think we need to know the word. Um, yeah, you know, you, you hit on something that I was going to say under the context of community. Uh, what we say here at Hope, um, and, and it actually came from Reed Kissling, just something that, that he said and I've adopted and repeated, is when we gather, we are reminded of the ultimate reality. Yeah, that's good. We are, we are reminded that of who God is and who we are inside of God. And that who, what the world is now and what it will be. And that's yeah. why we preach the gospel. That's why the gospel is a constant every week. Uh, we want to talk about the life, death, resurrection, and return of Jesus. 
because that is our reminder of the ultimate reality. That's good. That's good. And that and that's what helps us endure through suffering. That's what gives us the power to suffer is, is knowing we will be resurrected. Right. Right. Having that future hope. And in fact, yeah. you know, like what you said, being in community, we need, I mean, God uses other believers as a means of his grace to strengthen other believers. Mm-hmm. Like we need one another. In fact, yeah. what I'm seeing, this is, this is a truth that I'm seeing. Like, uh, like Hebrews talks about running the race and, and so that we finish. But what I'm seeing more and more is that if, if we really run the race so that we will finish the race, it's about locking arms with one another. It's not just about me getting to the finish line. It's about together we're getting to the finish line. It's about helping others look to Jesus that we'd run the race. And so I need, I need other Christians in my life. Uh, encouraging me, correcting me, rebuking me, lifting me up, um, just so yeah. that we can run the race well. Yeah. Amen. How else do we uh, do we prepare for suffering? Well, you mentioned uh, yesterday. Was it yesterday we talked? When did we talk? Two days ago? Yesterday. One of those days. One of those days. First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter nine. Verse uh, 26 and 27, I think where it talks about how, how Paul disciplines his body. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought what you were saying there was good. You want to share that? Well, as, as Baptists, as Protestants, uh, we have this tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater in some ways as far as spiritual disciplines go. And, and one of those disciplines is fasting. Um, and, you know, and we take that that passage that we see where the Pharisees are asking Jesus or maybe his disciples about, no, it was Jesus about why John's disciples fast and his don't. And his response was, well, they can't fast. They shouldn't fast while they have the bride with the groom, the bridegroom with them. Right. But there's a day that the bridegroom will go and then they will fast. Uh, What's significant about that? Well, we fast for one in order to, um, and I do think there's a sense in which we discipline our body, but we discipline really our affections for, for whom and what we love. Yeah. Uh, we fast because the bridegroom, Jesus, the son of God is not with us yet. We fast because we know, like as in Hebrews 11, that there, there is a greater reality coming. There is a greater homeland which we are striving towards. We fast because we yearn and we long for that. We love, we, we, we wait for that more than we wait for food. Um, we, we want that and need that more than we want and need food. Yeah. Um, and so, so I think... You know, the discipline of prayer and fasting is something, I mean, and, and there has been books written on it. I only know of a couple that I feel like are uh, theologically well done. Um, the Habits of Grace, I think, by David Mathis is one. I think we've talked about that in a, in a previous uh, episode. Um, uh, I'm not a... F- I, how do I say this without offending a lot of people? I'm going to offend a lot of people. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Rich, I'm not a fan of Richard Foster's book. I think it's asceticism for the sake of asceticism. That's what it feels like to me. And he comes out of 
Who's that guy that he comes after? He's. Um, I, I feel like it's very Benedictine, yeah. uh, but, but I mean, the, the point is, is I think there's a, there's a straight line that we can draw from the gospel, from Jesus to the disciplines, whether it be prayer and fasting and meditation, um, and so forth. And I think those are means by which we prepare for suffering. Uh, go, go back to scripture memorization, you know, uh, Bethlehem Baptist has the, their fighter verses, you know, that is a, is a means that we as pastors, we should be encouraging our church to memorize scripture. So it's in the heart and it's, it's ready and um, available to us, to our body as they need it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, a means of keeping our mind on, on, on God, right? On Christ. You will keep in perfect peace. He whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Isaiah 26, three. Uh, and the the weapons that we fight with, right? The spiritual war we fight. We fight not against flesh and blood, right? But against powers and principalities, against rulers and authorities of this world. Um, and what are our weapons? Right? We shield the faith, our helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. And, and those are all linked to faith in the word. Yeah. Uh, salvation, but boots of, of readiness, Right, and then the sword of the sword of um, of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, so that's what we fight with. Uh, that's how we persevere. That's how we stand. Um, and you know, I, I, I we were talking about golf earlier. Um, I once thought I could just step onto a golf course and golf without being taught how to swing a club. Yeah. Right. Uh, how are we, I, by the way, I know that's not true. <laughs> I had to have uh, some help, a lot of help in, in teaching me. In fact, I still need a lot of help. Um, but, but we're going to golf together in a couple weeks. You better believe that I am going to hit the driving range before that. Uh, because I, I need practice swinging that yeah. golf club. I, I need to discipline my body uh, in order to swing it correctly so I don't shank it every time. Um, I, I think that same is true. That same practice is true in how we wield uh, or are wielded by the word. You know what, what I love what you did there is you really spiritualize golf. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just think everyone should just take a moment to go, man, golf has a lot of spiritual benefits to it <laughs> and we should all be golfers. Oh, no, but, but I goodness. like what you're saying because it's totally true. Like if you show up on game day, and you don't know how to swing the club, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to lose. You're not going to hit well. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to want to break yeah. those clubs. But, but what happens if you train? All of a sudden, show up on game day, and you do fairly decent. Maybe you still yeah. got some room for improvement, but you do good. Man, and this is this, it goes back to what I said earlier. Christians don't think. And, and I know that's like what you, know, you said earlier. You know, you're going to offend some people. It's true. There's so many Christians, there's so many people who attend church who just don't think. They, they go, they'll even admit to this. They'll say, look, suffering's real. I get that. So then you, you go, well, how do you stand firm? Well, you know, they can maybe list out some, some things. Maybe they'll even say reading the Bible. Say, so, well, do you read the Bible? Well, no, not really. Do you take time to study the Bible? No, not really. Are you in community with people so you'll do that? No, not really. And then all of a sudden suffering comes and they're like, man, where's God? And it's like, well, yeah. 
Well, God's still there, but but you're not trusting in him. You don't even understand his grace. You don't understand his character. You don't understand his promises. And, and no matter when it is, if you haven't been studying the word, it's a good time to pick it up. But I greatly encourage to begin studying the word prior to the coming of the trials. We know yeah. the trials are coming. We know game day is coming, you know, where we're going to hit the links or, or, or whatever the metaphor is we want to use. The best way to stand firm in those times is through training. And our hope, though, our hope is not in our reading method. Our hope is not in our studying. Our hope is not in my ability to comprehend things. But it's understanding that every time I open up the Word of God or what you're talking about, fasting or prayer, it's God is, by His grace, strengthening us, giving us greater understanding that in those trials, we will stand firm. Well, that's just maturity, too. Yeah. Right. That's what, what Paul Paul talks about, you know, you know, um, that we're not tossed about by every wind of doctrine. You know, we are tossed about with a wave. That's as we become mature in Christ, we become mature by being in the word, um, yeah. by being in prayer, by having the discipline of fasting, by being able to deny our our belly, <laughs> to deny our flesh so that we're not run by it. That's good. Um, so you started in, uh, what is our hope? Like as we're, as we're suffering, as we know suffering is coming, what is our hope? You know, I think there's a lot of ways that we, I mean, there's, you know, it'd be fun to actually think through like how many ways can we actually come up with? Uh, but the first one, just God is the righteous judge who ultimately writes all wrongs. We know, I mean, even in the Lord's Prayer, we say, your kingdom come. We know a day is coming when his kingdom will be here, when his righteous rule that is rejected right now will no longer be able to be rebelled against. And those who do will be punished. Uh, We know that there's that day coming. We know that that, uh, on that day, Christ will wipe away the tears of the saints. because there's, he's going to bring them into his grace, and all those who have rejected him will be punished. In fact, um, in Revelation chapter 6, when you look at those, it's one of those kind of difficult passages on the fifth seal, we have this picture of martyred saints. And the martyred saints are kind of under the altar of God, and what we have is they are crying out to God, they're praying to God, and their prayer is, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood? What they're saying is, God, when will you right the wrongs? When will you you fully and completely not only defend your bride, but also um, bring forth your judgment? When will your righteousness mm-hmm. rain down on those who rebel? And again, this is not you and I or even the Bible saying, man, we, we look forward to unbelievers suffering. That's, that's, yeah. not, that's, that's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that we know that there's a day coming where God's judgment will come and all wrongs will be righted. Every evil, every, um, every injustice that was not righted here, it, it will be righted. And that's a guarantee that yeah. we have by the very character and faithfulness of our God. So I think understand that our God is good and he's just, yeah. is a great hope that we have, um, that we know that we can persevere. We know that we can love our enemy. We know that we can give food to our enemy and give him water. And even though he might hate us and might hurt yeah. us and reject us, our goal is not to bring retribution on them. 
Our goal is mm-hmm. to love them knowing, hey, God yeah. is going to work in this. So that's well, even what in I the would old, say. Yeah. I was just to add to that, even in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 33, um, God says, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Uh, so, that, you know, we, we, don't, good. we don't rejoice in uh, the death of the wicked. We do rejoice in justice. Yeah. We do rejoice in God and his perfect son coming to rule and to reign the earth. We rejoice in that because that is the end of all wickedness. And so, uh, so I gave one. Why don't you? Oh, okay. Why don't you give one? Uh, the hope. Um, well, I just think of Paul, uh, Philippians 3. Uh, 7 through 11. I, I have considered all things a loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Um, in fact, I count them as rubbish, you know, which is basically dung. Um, and then he continues. Um, for, this, for his sake, I'd suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And here's the hope, that I may know him, that I may know him, uh, and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I think Paul's hope was that he may know Christ. Yeah. That 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 is the treasure, right? That is the goal, uh, and and that he may share in his sufferings. Like, it, here's the thing: often when we run from this kind of persecution or or trials, uh, really we're running from the presence of God in some ways. Uh, we're running from the opportunity for Him to show Himself magnificently, gloriously, beautifully in our life. And what we're what, running from? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, well, I'm just running like for, you're saying that yeah. to attain the resurrection from the dead, that he'd yeah. actually be with him and look into the very face of his glory. Well, and that's John 17, right? Mm. Father, I ask that those whom you've given me may be with me where I am, that they may see my glory. I mean, that's what Paul is after. Yeah. To see the glory. That's the reward, to see the glory of Christ. And, and our persecution and suffering is is part of our means to be able to do that. And, and I, think, I think it's not just a future hope. I, th- I think it's a hope now, which is, which again, why in Acts we see, man, they, they rejoice that they were counted worthy to, yeah. to suffer for the sake of Christ. It's like that, that already not yet, like we're tasting it. Yeah. But I do believe that, man, when, when that resurrection day comes, that we're going to experience the day. fullness of that joy. Yeah. And... I mean, I, th- I think that's what, what Paul talks about in like Second Timothy 4, 7 and 8, where he says, I, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I kept the faith. And he says that there's a crown of righteousness laid up for him. Yeah. Like he's longing for that day. He'll actually see Christ. He knows that there's a reward. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think oftentimes we, we don't think a lot about that. We, that's kind of, it's not in our normal it's Christian preaching and teaching and reading, but there is a prize 
and it is being in the presence of God for all of eternity. And and there's perfect joy there. I mean, even we read in, in Hebrews where in chapter 11, where Moses said that he, he left the treasures of Egypt because he counted the reproach of Christ greater. He looks as Christ as greater. And I think that is what happens when we come to the gospel and we know that Christ is greater. And we know that even the joy we have now, as it's good, it's going to grow as we are actually in his full presence. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an amazing truth that, yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to even wrap your head around. Like, what's that day going to look like? What's that joy? What's that? Man. Yeah. A day is yeah. coming, though. A day is coming. A day is coming. And you know what? A day is coming. And, and that means this day is this, that this world's coming to an end. And, and what's no, what we need to know is that we go and we preach the gospel. And we do so not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in the Spirit, that the Spirit will save. And guess what? It's not just by our eloquence, by our, by our communication skills. It can be by our blood, too. Yeah. And, and there is no wasted life that lives it for the glory of God. Jim Elliott and Nate Sate, when they got killed at a young age, man, yeah, they had so much ahead of them, so the world would say. But God said, nope. Nope, they did exactly what I needed them to do and advance the yeah. gospel. Yep. Yep, amen. Yeah. Well, hey, let's pray. Send them out. Do it, man. Okay. Uh, Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you for your glorious gospel that has saved us, that has called us from darkness. As your word said, we once were darkness, but now we are light. And we are light precisely because the beauty, the glory, the majesty, the wonder of Christ has shown in our hearts that you've removed the veil and that we can see and behold all of who you are. And we are, we've been transformed by the power and the glory of your son. We've been transformed into citizens of your kingdom. And so, Lord, with, with you, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. In our weakness, you are strong, so we'll boast all the more in our weakness. And, Lord, we pray that you would grant your church reliance upon you as, as, we, walk, um, as we walk through life, as we, as we suffer. Lord, may we suffer in a way where with Paul, we say we are pressed, but not crushed, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying within us the death of Christ so that the life of Christ might be revealed. Lord, we ask that you would reveal your glory in and through our suffering. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Satisfied. If you'd like to have more information about us, you can go to www.timber... Nope, that's my own website. Uh, TimberlineBC.org or the actual website, SatisfiedInChrist.life. Oh, I'm going to let you do that. Dot L-I-F-E. And hey, well, uh, how about we throw on a couple resources um, on our website also, uh, just for books on suffering, things to think through, uh, guys who have experienced and gone through just great suffering as they share yeah. some of their trials. I got a couple good books, um, and we'll put a, we'll put those on there. 
Uh, and we'd love to have uh, any questions you have regarding the podcast. If there's a topic you'd like for us to discuss, please email us, let us know. Um, and also, if you don't mind, go ahead and hit the like button down there on the iTunes uh, podcast. iTunes, iPod, Stitcher, Google, Schmeagle. Peabod. I don't know. Peabod? Bod P. I don't know. P. <laughs> P something. P. Um, I have no clue. I don't know. My, you know, my wife is amazing. She's kind of like sets up all this stuff. Yeah, it all goes to her. Bean pod. Bean pod. <laughs> Samsonite, I was way, way off. different than Peabody. <laughs> but Peabody Sherman, you know, he was good. Uh, oh, yeah, that's... I guess, uh, I guess so. Yeah. All right. Hey, we'll see you next week. What's your next